All Rise, the Ashley Murphy murder trial with Frank Graney, a News Talk original podcast. A woman in her 20s has died following an assault in County Offaly. The incident happened along the Canal Bank at Cappencur in Tullamore at around four o'clock this afternoon. Breaking news, the arrest made on suspicion of murder of Ashley Murphy, the school teacher. Joseph Puska of Linali Grove, Mukla, County Offaly, appeared before a special sitting of Tullamore District Court last night. On the afternoon of the 12th of January last year, Ashley Murphy, a 23-year-old school teacher, was killed while out for a run along the banks of the Grand Canal in Tullamore. Josef Pushka, a Slovakian man who was living at Lanali Grove in Mukla, County Offaly at the time, is on trial for her murder. He has pleaded not guilty. I'm Frank Graney, Court's correspondent for News Talk. And I'm Ashling Moore, radio producer. I'll be in the Central Criminal Court for every minute of the Ashley Murphy murder trial. And every evening we'll bring you a factual, accurate and balanced account of what the jury hears on any given day. And only what the jury hears. It's their job to decide on the facts of this case and they'll do so based only on the evidence presented to them at trial. This is All Rise, the Ashling Murphy murder trial. Welcome to episode 5, Widow's Peak. So the trial moved on to a new tranche of evidence this afternoon with the jurors shown a compilation of CCTV footage gathered by the investigation team. Mm -hmm. But before that, they heard from the paramedics who attended the scene after the discovery of Ashling's body and they were shown a number of exhibits, including her bloodstained clothes and the jewellery she was wearing that day. Frank, yesterday we heard about the Garda efforts to save Ashling, and today the paramedics outlined what they did when they arrived at the scene. Yeah, that's right. Um, We heard from two very experienced paramedics today, uh, Paul McCabe and Kieran Daly. Mr McCabe was first up this morning. Uh, He's been an advanced paramedic for almost 29 years now. And back in January of last year, he said uh, they were based out of Athlone. Uh, They were dropping off a patient in Tullamore on the day in question, the 12th of January last year, when he said they got a call uh, just before 4pm, a minute to four o'clock that afternoon. That was the day Ashley was killed. Um, they were initially told they were responding to a cardiac arrest in Capin Kerr, uh, which was about seven or eight minutes away from where they were. And as we heard yesterday, uh, two Gardaí, a Garda Tom Dunn and a Garda Shane Hunter from Tullamore Garda Station were working on Ashley when the ambulance arrived. Um, they were taking turns doing chest compressions. Uh, Mr. McCabe described her as lying on her back in some undergrowth. Uh, when he stepped out of the ambulance, he said her left foot was suspended in a small branch. A blue trainer, he said, was on that foot. The other foot, he said, was on the ground. Her head uh, was lying to one side. And because of the area that she was in, he said they had to try and get her uh, up to the tarmac area so that they could work on her properly. Um, a chain was created with the assistance of the other guardie who were there. Um, they managed to get her up out of that embankment onto the towpath. Her jacket, he said, came off while they were moving her. It was unzipped and it came off as they were bringing her up that embankment. Uh, The one shoe that she still had on when he arrived on the scene also came off. He said that they laid her out on the tarmac. And his colleague, Kieran Daly, who gave his evidence uh, first thing after lunch this afternoon, uh, described grabbing the life pack from the ambulance. And he explained that a life pack is um, a diagnostics tool. It has a defibrillator on it, too. Um, He said that Mr. McCabe was uh, quite close to Ashing at this point. And he, like many of the Gardaí who gave evidence 
uh, yesterday described her hair as being matted onto her face. He said that he actually couldn't see her face. It was uh, totally covering uh, the front of her face. It was totally covered by her hair. Um, substantial wounds to the right side of her neck. He noted them. He moved back her hair and he noticed that her eyes and her mouth were open. Uh, there was some blood we heard to the back of her head, a wound to the right side of her throat, which he described as substantial. And he said that it was difficult to ascertain um, the amount of wounds. But as we learned yesterday through the post-mortem evidence, as she suffered 12 sharp wound injuries to the right side of her neck, um, we heard evidence of her her top being cut open so that they could put those shock pads on her. There were no apparent wound, wounds when they were lifting her top, um, no wounds on her body that, that they could see. Uh, and Mr. Daly was actually the one who applied the pads from that life pack. He said that she had flatlined, which essentially meant she had no heart rate, no heartbeat uh, and with no signs of life, a collective decision, um, a collective decision rather, uh, to cease resuscitation was made. Um, they all felt that no more could be done for Ashling, so they covered her with a blanket and they stepped back then to allow the Gardaí to go about their work. So we've already heard evidence about how the area was declared a crime scene. The roads leading up to the spot were closed off and a blue forensic tent was erected over Ashling. The jurors then heard about the findings of one of the crime scene investigators and more than that, they were shown some of his findings. That's right. Uh, Detective Gartha Ronan Lawler from the Gartha Technical Bureau was uh, next to take the stand today. He has 16 years experience investigating crime scenes and he said that he arrived at the scene in Tullamore at 10 minutes to 7 that evening. He quickly put on his forensic suit and you've probably seen them in the news, these white suits with masks, hoods up, gloves, disposable gloves, things like that. And they're obviously worn to prevent contamination of evidence uh, or the crime scene itself. In fact, uh, uh, Detective Lawler said they regularly change those disposable gloves, particularly after um, handling an exhibit. And again, that's just to maintain the integrity of the crime scene and any evidence that's collected from it. And by the time he arrived, um, he said again that blue forensic tent that you mentioned had already been erected over Ashling. Um, he stepped inside it. She was lying on the ground, he said. Um, he noticed numerous open wounds again to the right hand side of her neck. Um, a guard, the escort and the undertakers arrived at, at one point and he said that he helped in, in moving her uh, into a sterile body bag, which was then transferred uh, to the undertakers and, and taken away. And we heard that the post-mortem took place the next day. He said that he also took um, a possession of a necklace, uh, a rose-coloured necklace that said Ashling. Um, he placed what evidence, whatever evidence he found in, in evidence bags. And he also spoke about another crime scene tent that was uh, at the scene. Uh, this was covering a mountain bike. He went inside, he took a look at the bike um, and he, he described it as having no grips on the handles. He said the handlebars were green, but that the bike itself was grey in colour. At this point, he was shown a photograph uh, of the bike. He confirmed that that was the one that he he saw to the right hand side of the bike. Then he said there was another tent with black uh, plastic sheeting underneath it, covering a pink woolly hat and a pair of Nike runners. Um, some sunglasses were found back up where the runners and the hat were near the pathway. He said uh, there was plastic sheeting protecting uh, those two. Um, he also said that the core of an apple was found across the path from the other items. He described how all of those items were packaged individually and we heard there's no issue with how the evidence was 
had collected. Again, he said that he changed gloves for each exhibit. He labelled them all with a reference number using as his standard procedure his own initials uh, or L for Ronan Lawler plus plus a number. Um, and then a number of exhibits were shown to the jury. Or L3 um, was a pair of sunglasses. A pink bobble hat was also shown to the jurors. A pair of blue Nike runners were shown to them too. And we also heard that um, he attended the post-mortem the following day and a number of items were were handed over to him. Um, and they too were shown to the jurors today. Um, they were shown a blood-stained scarf, um, a blood-stained GAA top, and a blood-stained white T-shirt, which was taken out of the evidence bag and shown to the jury. The uh, jury was also shown um, a Fitbit watch. Uh, this was in a clear bag, so it, it didn't need to be taken out of that bag. And some jewellery, um, a gold-coloured ring removed from uh, Ashley's right ring finger and and also that necklace. He said that um, all of the items were given to the exhibits officer, as is the case with any investigation like this. A guard is appointed as an exhibits officer, um, essentially the custodian of any exhibits that are gathered at various uh, crime scenes. And that exhibits officer was the one who was passing up the um, the various pieces of evidence and showing them uh, to the jury. Um, Detective Lawler said that he then returned to the scene the following day um, to go past where... Ashley was found and to take swabs from uh, an area a little bit further down the canal where there was a gate and, and a rail um, and, and that was down near um, a lock and he was looking for possible DNA he said he was cross-examined he was cross-examined by one of the defence barristers from Mr Pushka he was asked if he saw pink gloves or a single pink glove at the scene and he said he didn't and that's a question that has already been put to um, the Gardaí who uh, first attended at the scene and have already given their evidence uh, this week under cross-examination they've all they've all been asked if they saw pink gloves or a single pink glove at the scene and, and none of them did and Detective Lawler too said that he was quite sure that he hadn't So from there, the prosecution moved into the next tranche of evidence, CCTV. Now, in her opening address earlier this week, the prosecuting barrister, Miss Anne-Marie Lawler, said that over 25,000 hours of CCTV were harvested as part of the investigation into what happened to Ashling, And the jury was shown a compilation of that today. Yeah, and and before that compilation was shown, um, the jury was shown various maps of the locations of cameras from which the investigation team considered to be relevant. Um, you know where that footage was taken from. Those maps were shown on on screens across the courtroom. Red dots on the maps denoted the locations of the various cameras. Um, precisely twenty five thousand two hundred and thirty one hours of footage was gathered by the investigation team. And to put that into perspective, that's just under 1,042 days or two years, 10 months and five days. So clearly uh, not all of that evidence um, or that footage was going to be shown to the jury. And that's thanks to um, Garda David Harney from Tullamore Garda Station. He was part of the team tasked with trawling through uh, all of the CCTV footage. And at the height of it, he said there were 10 uh, members of Angarda Shiakana working on the CCTV aspect of the case, but that that was eventually whittled down to just him and one of his colleagues. And they were then responsible for 
I suppose, distilling that footage into a compilation suitable for presentation at trial. As to how they harvested the footage, he described that as quite a dynamic process. He said that they would start at the crime scene and they would move out from there and gather as much CCTV as they could. And he said, as information came into the incident room, um, other areas of potential relevance may be identified. So they worked closely with the incident room. The bike found beside Ashling's body was a large part of their focus. He said he d- described it as distinctive. Uh, and also the description of the man in the hedge, um, the man who was apparently crouching down over Ashling. We heard the description that Jenna Stack gave in relation to him. She was one of the two women who was out running that day and she claimed that she saw a man attacking a girl who was lying down in the hedgerow along the canal. And the description of that man also fed into uh, the examination of of the CCTV footage. So I suppose just to just to give you an idea of how that evidence was presented in court today, mm-hmm. Gartha Harney was the one who presented it from the witness box. Each clip um, that he played was preceded with a caption sheet, um, which gave the location of the camera. Again, the jury would have been shown the locations on the maps, but this just gave the exact address, uh, date, time, uh, those types of details. And the clips then themselves were played on large screens around the courtroom for all to see two large screens either side of the judge one behind the dock seven smaller monitors in the dock or in the jury box then so jurors were sharing uh, monitors clearly there are 12 jurors seven screens that they shared um four screens also scattered across the lawyers benches um i should say there are no screens on the press bench uh, but i was closest to the dock so i was able to get a good look at the large screen hanging behind uh, Mr. Pushka's head. As the clips were playing then, Gartha Harney would narrate, often pointing out various people, various locations of, of interest, things like that, as he saw fit. And the first group of clips showed Josef Pushka's movements in the hours leading up to Ashling's murder. Uh, not quite. They showed his movements from 25 minutes past 12 in the afternoon to five minutes past two. And as we all know, according to the prosecution, it's believed Ashley Murphy was murdered at half past three that afternoon. The first tranche showed him, Mr. Pushka, that is, cycling his bike from Mukla, uh, where he was living at the time, uh, to Tullamore and then around the Tullamore area. But there's no footage of him beyond five minutes past two in the afternoon. Well, According to the prosecution, and we might get into this a little bit later, according to the prosecution, Josef Pushka is seen later in the evening. That's not accepted by the defence, and I, I'll get to that in a moment. But just in relation to those early clips, um, Gartha Harney described uh, him as wearing a black hoodless jacket, black tracksuit bottoms with a white stripe down the side of the leg. And he said he could see the word Hilfiger, um, followed by the letters NY and the Tommy Hilfiger logo. He also said uh, the jacket that he was wearing had some sort of logo on the left-hand side. He said he had a tight haircut with a widow's peak, so receding on both sides. And he said that he had sallow skin. And in relation to the bike, he said that it had green forks on the front of it. He said it had straight handlebars, two reflectors and a mudguard. He showed a number of clips uh, to the jury of a woman called Beata Barovska, Uh, walking towards Tesco in Tullamore with Mr. Pushka cycling in the same direction. At 1.44pm, 
And again, I'm not talking about today's time. This was uh, on the 12th of January last year at you know, roughly quarter to two, Ms. Barofska is seen on that footage going into Tesco. And a few minutes later, then uh, Mr. Pushka is seen cycling back towards Tullamore Town in the direction that he came from. And just before 2 p.m., again on the 12th of January last year, uh, the jury was shown clips of a woman called Anne-Marie Kelly, uh, who was out walking her dog in Tullamore that day. And we heard the jury will hear from her in due course. But in relation to the footage, she could be seen. Uh, and again, this was Gartha Harney narrating um, to the jury while the footage was being played in the background. Uh, he said that Ms. Kelly could be seen crossing the road at the Church Road roundabout and that Mr. Pushka is seen on that footage crossing the road at roughly the same at location, still on his bike, still cycling. Uh, Ms. Kelly is captured walking up the canal with her dog. And the last time Mr. Pushka was captured in this sequence was again at five minutes past two, entering the car park near the canal. And was there any footage shown from that location to where Ashling's body was found? No. And the reason for that is we heard today that there was no CCTV available along that stretch. And what about Ashling herself? The jury was shown some footage of her last movements too. Yes, um, a few clips were also shown of Ashling Murphy's movements that day. We saw her leaving work at 37 minutes past two that afternoon. She worked as a teacher in a national school in Duro. And the footage shows her um, leaving the school, um, getting into her car, um, a red Seat, and driving towards uh, Tullamore. The final clip of Ashling shows her pulling into that car park at the canal at 10 to 3. Uh, she's seen leaving her car. She's seen walking along the canal. And while these various clips were being shown to the jury today, at the end of, of most, if not all of the clips, the jury would be presented with a still picture, a still picture that was taken from the footage and on this occasion, the still picture that the jury was shown showed Ashling Murphy um, wearing um, a bobble hat. She had a black jacket on. She had a scarf on, some dark coloured leggings and dark shoes with a white sole. And again, that's how the Garda, who was presenting this evidence, um, described that image. And it's believed that Ashley Murphy was killed 40 minutes later. I want to go back for a second, Frank, because you mentioned earlier that the prosecution believes Mr. Yeah. Pushka does feature in some later footage. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, uh, Gartha Harney takes the view that a dark figure seen walking along a bypass later that evening, just before 9pm, is Josef Pushka. And he believes that he can be seen at that point walking back into Tullamore. In the early hours of the next morning then, uh, just before one o'clock in the morning on the 13th of January last year, a car, some footage showing a car pulling up outside an apartment block in Crumlin um, was shown to the jury. Josef Pushka and his parents get out of that car. Uh, he can be seen walking inside. There's no issue in relation to that. Uh, Garda Harney in this footage pointed to Mr. Pushka's facial hair. And he also says that um, Mr. Pushka seems to be moving freely in this footage. He suggests that he has changed his clothes from the footage that they had, they had been shown from the previous afternoon. The Final clips then shown to the jury today showed a paramedic uh, wheeling Mr. Pushka out of that apartment complex in Crumlin just before midday. 
um, footage from outside St. James's Hospital and was also shown to the jury before the um, before the court broke up for the weekend. And in that, Mr. Pushka could be seen on a stretcher uh, being brought into the hospital's emergency department. And Gartha Harney pointed out that he no longer had facial hair in that clip. That's it for episode five of All Rise, the Ashling Murphy murder trial. The jury won't be back until two o'clock on Monday and earlier today they were given an update on the timeline and told that this trial is due to be finished by the 10th of November. I'm Frank Graney, Court's correspondent for News Talk. I'll be in court every day and you can follow me on X at Frank Graney for updates. And make sure you follow this podcast, All Rise, the Ashley Murphy murder trial for an impartial and comprehensive account of what happens in court on any given day. All Rise, the Ashley Murphy murder trial was hosted by Frank Graney and Ashley Moore with sound design by Lachlan Hart. Follow the podcast on Newstalk.com, on the Newstalk app, powered by Go Loud, or wherever you get your podcasts.